Welcome to the Corporate Catholic Podcast, where we inspire the joyful hustle by integrating your relationship with God into the 9 to 5. Join us as we flip the script on faith and work. We hope you enjoy the episode. All right. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to the Corporate Catholic Podcast. Today, we have Claire, the Director of Business Honors from Texas A&M University. So welcome, Claire. Thank you. Excited to be here, other Claire. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I know. The Claire Too had many to Claire's on the, the Claire. Claire. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Too many Claire's on the podcast today. <laughs> Seriously, it's like Claire squared here. Allison's the one out Claire sandwich. So yeah. I'm very excited. I'm outnumbered. That's <laughs> right. <laughs> Claire takeover today. Um, Claire is here to just talk about all things like professional, dreaming big, um, she just works with so many college students and I don't know when we were just chatting with you, we were like, let's just take a trip back to college. I feel like college, we, I don't know. I just feel like I had so many hopes and dreams in college. And sometimes it's a struggle to like, remember to hope and dream again. So I think we're going to kind of dive into that today and just discuss all things dreaming big and, um, yeah, I'm so excited. So Claire would love for like a little introduction of yourself, like who are you, where are you from, and just like a timeline of how you became the director of business honors at AM. Yes, absolutely. Uh, thank you for that sweet intro and for the chance to be here. This is so fun for me. I grew up in a really small town south of San Antonio, like classic small town Texas. Born and raised, have been in Texas my whole life, uh, and knew. Pretty much like from the earliest of days that I wanted to go to Texas A&M, which is kind of ridiculous, like be a kindergartner, knowing where you want to go to college, but knowing nothing else about your life. And uh, so, yes, just grew up loving this school, loving College Station. And I came from a family of engineers and ag. And so, but just like didn't love math. Like my favorite thing in school was English. But what I really loved is people. And I just was reading a book. I don't even remember what book senior year and started thinking about nonprofit. And I like loved sports. And so I was like, maybe I'll do like public relations or communications. And just through a lot of digging thought, okay, I'm going to go to business school. I'm going to get a degree in marketing. I'm going to minor in communications. And I want to go like work in public relations for an athletic organization. That was a dream. So applied to business school, um, got into this program called business honors at A&M and thought, I do not know how I feel about living in the library with a bunch of tryhards trying to like compete with me. Uh, and that was just like the very, very opposite. And praise God, I don't even know why or how I decided to be like, okay, I'll give this a chance because it became like the most important community for me in college. I had an advisor who knew my name and my life and everything I wanted to do for all four years. And I was plugged into this really small community. We have about 80 students per class year, between 80, 80 and 90, and met my roommates in the program, met people who, um, yeah, were incredibly brilliant, but also humble and kind and joyful and just fun. And so I uh, got to like live and dream alongside of people for all of college. And um, yeah, that like y'all are saying, the time is just like, so you're so malleable as a college student. You're so like, hungry for the whole world, but terrified of everything. And 
I uh, ended up doing accounting, not marketing. Um, no, <laughs> ended up doing accounting. And uh, yes, so most accounting programs, they have like the fifth year, you can get your master's. And I didn't apply for that program because I just like did not trust myself to not accept the full-time jobs from those firms whenever they came around. And I knew I didn't want to do auditor tax. So I was like, not, not even going to put myself in temptation's way. So just did accounting um, and did an internship. Well, really, I guess the story is my junior year. Like that's the big year you're trying to get your internship between junior and senior year. And I applied for all these things, had a consulting offer, um, that I wasn't just like crazy about. And so I ended up declining it because I still had all these things on the table, like a different consulting firm I was excited about, um, Southwest Airlines, like just all these companies that I thought were cool that hadn't opened yet, ended up getting rejected from all of those. So it's like March of my junior year. And I'm like, I've done all the things like I have the GPA, I have the involvement, I have the leadership, I have the prestigious things but nothing is panning out and was like so anxious about it. And all I heard throughout that season in prayer was the Lord being like, my child, do you trust me? Like that, just that word, no other word. Um, And I was like, no, I do not. Thank you for asking. (laughs) Um, But then uh, in about mid April, I like back in the fall, it'd been on my bucket list to work at the Tim Tebow foundation because I love sports. I love my faith. I love nonprofit. And they reached out to me in the middle of the spring semester and interviewed me. And before I knew it, I was moving to Jacksonville, Florida to go intern. And it was just really beautiful because had I gotten that offer in the fall, I wouldn't have done it because I had to take a Mm -hmm. semester off of school. Um, I had to like find somewhere to live in Florida, but it really was this combination of like my desperation and the way all the doors opened that led me to doing that thing and saying, holy cow, like my dreams can come to fruition. And it was the best experience in the world. I loved it. Um, But then when it came time to figure out what I was going to do full time, I was, you know, back kind of on the, okay, I should do consulting. That's what's prestigious. I have this nonprofit offer and long story short, just didn't feel peace about either of the offers that I had in front of me and thought about, okay, what, what are my first loves? Like what are the things that I've loved in college and business honors was one of them. So I Googled what the program director at that time had her master's degree in, had GRE scores lying around. That's like one piece of career advice is everybody should just like take the GRE when they're a student or like have some free time. Not that I, this isn't like in support of MBA programs. That's like a different hot take, but just like have a GRE score in case you ever need one. Um, But just applied and then decided to go into higher ed, which was like a massively different world than my undergrad background in business, but really beautiful in its own way. Um, And while I was in that program, I did an internship at Southwest Airlines. Eventually that came back around uh, in their training and development sector and just like didn't feel the passion that I wanted to for my work. And I was like, oh no, if I don't like working at Southwest Airlines, I'm not going to like working anywhere (laughs) because this is just like the they, fun company. Yeah, yeah, really fun. Fun company yeah. I love Southwest. Huge right. Southwest stands here. Uh, so I was like, oh no, I'm broken. But right at that same time, a full-time job opened for business honors. And so I was like, okay, this is what I'm going to do. And so 
I applied for that job. I started working for the program when I was 23 and doing advising, selections, recruiting, and just realized like I have such a passion for uh, like hanging out with college students, pouring into their lives, helping them think deeply about themselves, the world, um, where they're going, how they can use their strengths to add value. Um, and just like accompaniment, that's really the word. Like I loved the idea of getting to accompany students during a transformational time in their life. So I have done that, been in this role, well, been it was in that role for about five years. And then my program director, who was then turned into my boss, um, decided to retire. She moved to faculty here at Mays Business School, and I stepped into the role of director last April. And it has been one of the most beautiful, challenging, stretching, wonderful experiences of my life to get to care for this program that I love so much and pour my whole heart into it. So I feel like I spent so much time talking about like my junior year of college and then just flew through six years, but high level, like (laughs) those, those have been the stops. Those have been the things and, um, living in college station, which is like a very quintessential college town, isn't the like glamorous background for my twenties that I imagined, but over and over again, the, it has felt like the Lord is saying like, this is the field. This is the field I have you working in. Um, as I've thought about like, should I go here? Should I go live in big city? Should I take this different job? Um, but this place has like been so fruitful, uh, in many areas of life. And, uh, that became like a really powerful discernment tool for me is like, is, does this feel fruitful? Um, and it has, it's felt like a really fruitful spot. So that is my journey. Oh, that's amazing. I, I love that. I feel like your story is so real and relatable, um, especially in terms of just, you know, juggling first accounting and then being like, okay, am I doing the five-year program? No. Okay. What about consulting? What about nonprofit? What about like, I feel like so many people in college are just trying to try out as much as they can, but it's like, what do I like? What do I not like? But I think what you said about, um, You know, you had two offers that you were considering, but you just didn't feel peace about them. I think that is so powerful and being able to to recognize and acknowledge that about yourself and be like, okay, maybe this isn't right. I don't know why, but like it just doesn't feel right, even though it seems right. Um, So I think, I mean, that's probably helped you so much in your role, would you say, you know, just being able to have those experiences and know that being able to relate to students and be like, I know what you're going through and I've been through it too. So. No, absolutely. I think that that's one of the things, I mean, it's funny on, in some ways I'm like, my accounting undergrad has no relevance to what I'm doing, but in reality, there is no more relevant degree than being able to sit across from my students saying like, I remember taking intermediate accounting and (laughs) business law and this is like how I studied and this is my recommendation. And I remember so vividly what it feels like to feel the pressures to just like follow the, you know, you come into college with this, like all these dreams and schemes and desires for the world and your life. And then you get there and you're like, oh wait, but these are the, these are the well-defined paths that people go to success. And and you think that when you go to college, the world would widen, but it's almost like for some reason it shrinks because you see mm-hmm. well-worn paths. Um, there's this book I love called Excellent Sheep 
the miseducation of the American elite. And it talks about how our, you know, education systems, like we're taught like really well how to jump through hoops, whether that be like our SAT scores, our class rank, our involvements. Um, and, and there's this quote, I have the book in front of me that it says the, the person who wrote it, he was an author or he was a professor at Yale. Uh, and he says, you can't tell to a Yale student, find your passion. Uh, most of them do not know how. It is indeed reasonable to say, as many students have, that you might as well go to Wall Street and make a lot of money if you can't think of anything better to do. What is not reasonable is that we've constructed an educational system that produces highly intelligent, accomplished 22-year-olds who have no idea what they want to do with their lives, no sense of purpose, and what is worse, no understanding of how to go about finding one, who can follow an existing path but don't have the imagination or the courage or their inner freedom to invent their own. And I just remember reading that book really early in my career and being like, man, that is what I'm passionate about disrupting. Like that is the, that is the thing that I care about is getting into the hearts and minds of these college students and helping them identify even not that they're going to uncover like the purpose of their lives in these four years, but to even start grappling with the desire to find one um, and, and to make courageous decisions and to have inner freedom and to know yourself well enough to know what you care about. Uh, and that really became like the thesis statement for my career and seeing this job as a lot more than like, Oh, take these classes, do these things. Um, so yeah. Yeah. I uh, totally relate to that. I mean, um, yeah, Allison and I were both like in business honors programs at our respective universities. So I feel like this talking with you is bringing me back to this exact thing where, you know, I, you know, came into college being like, oh, like, I'm just gonna, I'm so excited freshman year, you know, what, what's going to happen. And like, right away, they're like, big four consulting, Mm -hmm. like, this is what you're aiming for. Like, this is why you're here. And I had like, never heard of these companies before, like had no idea what was going on. And I was like, I guess I'm supposed to want that. Like, yeah, it's like, these are the companies you talk to at the career fair. Yeah. Yeah. And everyone's like, go here. Like, you have to go there. Like, you need to talk to them. They're going to write your name down on a sheet. And that's how they'll know who you are. And they're going to track you all four years of college. And if you go to their booth at least 10 times, they'll probably give you an offer. Like literally, like that is the things that we were taught. Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Which is crazy. And I just remember like not wanting, like I remember going to the career fair, talking with someone, them talking at me, me having no idea what they said. Uh, Literally no idea. I I would just nod along and like try to ask an intelligent question. And then I would leave. And then I'm like, why am I doing this? Like none of these companies sound remotely interesting to me. And yeah, I don't know. I, I just really relate to what you said because everything that you're saying is like so true, but also so radical in the world of like being a business student. And, um, and it's so hard because not every school and every person has someone like you or like other professors to like root for them and like teach them to, to think outside of these like companies and these paths that they just feel are you know, what everyone's doing. So, okay. Um, Yeah. I want to talk to you though about just like, uh, you know, how do you kind of teach your students to dream big? Because I feel like a lot of them probably come to you and are just like, this is what I think I want, but like, do I actually want this? Yeah. No, that is such a good question. And, And I think that it's like, it is so hard. Like it is, it's such a 
difficult thing to like be a salmon swimming upstream in terms of what you want to do. Um, and, and there are so many factors at play and, and every student's an individual. I think that's like what I have to keep in mind. And there's some students where, you know, like given the backgrounds that they grew up on, like, man, going and working at like a big four job or consulting, like that is going to change the narrative of your family. Like that's so powerful. That's great. And, and even like things like consulting and investment banking, I'm like, I'm here for it. Like, let's do it, but let's know why you're doing it. And don't fall into the trap of assuming that whenever you're working 80 hours a week at JP Morgan in New York City, that's going to be the time you're going to be more in touch and more self-aware and have more margin to sit down and be like, now let me think about like what my next step is and what the big picture is. So it's less about like, don't like, I'm not in any way advocating for students to not go do those jobs that keep doors open. I think that that's really, really important. But yeah, how, how can we think about like what's beyond that? Where am I heading? That Like a quote that I will say every time I meet with a student is the one from Alice in Wonderland when Alice is like walking along and she sees a Cheshire cat and she's like, hi, yes, which way should I go? And the Cheshire cat's like, well, uh, where are you trying to get? And she's like, mm, doesn't matter much where. And the cat's like, well, then it doesn't matter which way you go. And I think that's so profound mm. because- at the end of the day, if I sat across from a student, I'm like, hey, are you completely indifferent to where you end up in your life? Nobody's going to say yes to that question. Like everybody cares what the end destination is. And therefore, like you have to be thinking about the steps you take right now. Not that it's going to be linear, not at all. That's not life. But like, can we be strategic? Can we like take calculated measured risks? So I think pragmatically, some things that I try to do with students I, I, whenever I stepped into this role, there is a person who Molly referenced in the previous episode, but who's also been very influential in my life, General Van Alstine. And whenever he, he asks these questions, he calls them the identity questions, but they're these three questions uh, that he's said, would say like, we're all trying to answer. Who am I? Do I matter? What is my place in the world? And I really use those questions as like the, the pillars for what I see we're trying to do in business honors is to help students through their business education, but also just like their holistic development, answer those three questions. And so I think part of it like starts at the most basic level of who am I? What are your values? What are your strengths? How do you become a reflective person? And so creating classes and events that, and, and even asking questions that of students that help promote those things. Like, how are you unique from the person next to you? What is it that lights your eyes up that does not light my eyes up? My eyes up? Um, and I, I think like that that's a really good starting place. The, the do I matter piece? Yeah. Like recognizing how, what I love and what breaks my heart and what fires me up is different from all the people around me. And frankly, what I'm good at, like some people love accounting. Some people hate accounting. Some people hate making a beautiful, like creative piece that communicates a message. Like some people are like, just show me the numbers. And so just even tapping into how do I figure out what is it that I love that's different from other people? Even, I think there's a lot of value to doing that outside of the business school. Like, do you love writing? Do you love sports? Do you love like woodworking? Great. All of those things are worth paying attention to, whether they be a hobby or play a role in your career. Um, And so I think that so much of that is just 
asking questions of like that to students. Um, and then there's like some very pragmatic, like curriculum and programming things that I say we like try to do that is probably too granular. Um, but, but one thing I will talk about that's really cool. And I have to credit my boss, Chris Morley for this, but she came up with this idea of signature work, which is the capstone project that we have our students do for business honors. So we didn't want to do a thesis. We didn't don't want to do research because like that doesn't really make sense for business students. But signature work is like pick a topic of your choosing. It can be anything in the world and craft a like individual learning plan in support of that topic. So I've had my students like get pilot's licenses, do sustainability, like convince their parents to install solar panels on their roof, like do woodworking, do like teaching a curriculum for a link, like English language learners at a local school, like basically just do a project about something you care about. I don't care if it's looking at like the data on the LA chargers for the past 10 years on how many times they go for it on fourth down, but like do something that you like that's different than other people. And it's been awesome seeing what students do. And I think it's given some of them space to explore those passions in a way that maybe they won't use it now maybe they won't use it ever but they're at least aware of like this is something i care about that's different from my peers and it's been really cool seeing those projects roll out over the past two years i love that i wish i could have done a project like that in school <laughs> well i was just thinking i'm like maybe i like should just do that do that now now yeah. <laughs> no i think you should i mean honestly i'm like this podcast is your signature work project like that's really what it is you're like here's this thing True. it's like the intersection of like my faith and work and talking to interesting people and being a learner and like think about all that you'll have had to learn and like figure out from a technical standpoint, but also the people you've talked with, the way your network has grown, like this, uh, this is your signature project. Y'all are doing one and anybody <laughs> can do one at any stage of their life. That's so yeah. true. Yeah, that is true. That's true. Yeah. Okay, well, been there, done that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Cross it off the list. <laughs> we'll keep it going. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Uh, yeah, no, I think that's so powerful because I remember like it, this makes me think of like in school how we always had to read specific books and I never wanted to read the books that we had to read because they were re- required to read. And this kind of reminds <laughs> me of like projects and how in school like we have to do all these projects that are determined for us. And, you know, a lot of times we're like, oh, I just don't want to do this because I'm not interested in this topic or I don't care about this. And so being able to like choose that for your own and be like, I actually want to learn about this and then being able to, to focus on that. Like, I think that's so cool. And yeah, I, I think more schools should do that. Yeah. I, I'm sure like some students though, like this would be me. It's like, they're like, what is like the right answer though? Like, what are you looking for? Like a hundred percent. And then they have to like unlearn that you actually have freedom and like you Mm -hmm. actually can do whatever you want. Yes. Oh my gosh, Claire, that's so real. And like the ambiguity is consuming and also just like trying to convince them that like, look, the bar is low. Like we're not trying to trick you. We're not trying to like kick you out of the program. Like we, like we really just want you to give this your best shot. Like just trust me here. And they do, they have a hard time with it. Totally. Yeah. I mean, how can you kind of like, I I love talking and like reflecting about college. Um, but I, I guess I'm thinking about just like being in the real world. And like you said, you were like, oh, if you're working so many hours, you know, at your corporate job, like it's hard to kind of make space for this 
kind of thinking. So like what advice or like what tactics would you maybe recommend to someone who is working full time, but maybe is like, I want to kind of still like, I want to start to dream a little bit or like, I want to have some of these tactics in my life, but I just don't know where to start. Like, and um, yeah. And like without kind of like a learning and like school environment. Totally. Yeah. No, I think that's so true uh, that it, it can feel hard without like, I don't know, like, how do I, how do we be a learner, a student of ourselves after we've left the university environment? Um, and I think that, you know, part of following Jesus and having faith at the center of your life, I think, and one thing I like love so much about the church is like the liturgical seasons that we're given and like the sacraments and just these rhythms that I think call us to be reflective. So whether that be confession, like what, how can I reflect on like the past season, however long it's been to think, what are the parts of my heart that I need to repent in? Um, You know, whether it be like Advent and Lent where we're preparing our hearts or the feasts where we're celebrating things. Like I think that we have to bring those same practices into our work life. And so figuring out like, like that's one thing that's really that I love about my job that I'm very spoiled in is even though I work year round, the pace of my job is very oriented around a school calendar. So summer is a really useful time to like stop, reflect, think about what we're doing, plan for the way ahead, same for winter break. And in most jobs, like, yeah, you get some holidays, but it's just like one long thing. So the, the first thing would just be like, are you even like, building in any kind of margin to think and reflect on a semi-regular basis about where you are, what you're doing. Um, So I think that's step one is like, you have to be creating margin for it. And I think that can look like just taking like a Saturday to go to a coffee shop once every six months or four months or whatever it is. But then like, once you take the time, what do you do with it? Right. And so there's a few things that like really, really pragmatic exercises that I think I would do um, post-grad for a person who's never done these things. I think the first thing I would do is sit down and do a values exercise. And you can probably just Google this, but get like a set of values and go through and like say, these are like the five to seven values I want to mark my life by. And then go through like the places you're investing your time, the things you're doing, and see if there's congruency between stated values and lived behaviors. Because if there's not congruency, that is going to create um, that, that's going to create some of the tension. And then you have to ask the question: Is this lack of congruency due to the fact that I need to change my lived behaviors to align with these values, or are these not actually my values? And I like need to wrestle and contend with that a little bit. And it's okay that these aren't my values, but I need to stop pretending that they are. And so. Like that's a really good first step. I think if a person's like feeling tension in moments when it's been really, really hard for me to like, like I said, be in college station and be doing work that isn't the most high paying or isn't the most visible. It's been sitting down and seeing the congruency between like the values I say are important in my life and this work that have gotten me through those hard days. So that's like one thing I would do that I think is really helpful in discernment. I think from there, um, I, I love dreaming and I think that like it's like it's hard to know yourself, especially when you're really busy and you don't have a lot of margin. And so I have this exercise I do that I'll just run through really, really quickly and a person can like do it and like pause the podcast if they want as they go. 
I call it a dream map, purpose map, whatever you want to call it. And uh, you just write your name in the middle of the page, uh, horizontal. And then you like write all around your name, like 10 to 15 characteristics that at the end of your life you want attributed to your character. And then you go over to the left side of the page and you write down those core values. And then you go over to the right side of the page and you write down significant life experiences that shaped you. Good things, bad things, suffering, joys, like major life events, 10 to 15. Uh, Under that, under your name, uh, write down like just causes that you care about, organizations you're passionate about, hobbies, like anything from like sports to the church to nonprofits, like business, like cryptocurrency. I don't know, like whatever you're into, write that on the bottom. And then above your name, write all the titles that you want to hold in your life. And it can be a job title. It can be mom. It can be author. It can be blogger. It can be foodie, like whatever you want, like capture all those titles and then stop and look and and see what was in you that you didn't even know and get in touch with like all the things and you'll start seeing connections I think like between values and experiences and titles you want to hold and then I think once you have that it provides a really really solid framework for okay I say that I like what author as one of my titles what was the last thing I wrote and it doesn't like the right answer isn't always like quitting your job and making career change sometimes the right answer is like one of my New Year's resolutions, I love to write, so I'm just like stealing myself. I had a friend text me a short story competition where I like paid 50 bucks, join this short story competition, and they email you like a genre and a character and this, and you have a week to write something. And like, I've been losing my mind at my job. Like, there's no way I would have done this if I hadn't put $50 on the line and been like, <laughs> do this. But I did it and I wrote this thing and it was fun and it was energizing and it was a good practice. So there's versions of that everywhere. Like find a nonprofit who needs like, if you think you might be interested in data, like find your church and be like, hey, what data tracking are y'all needing? And like, what would be helpful to know? And like build a project for them. Do like some kind of marketing campaign if you think you might be interested in that. Like there's so many projects and side hustles and things that you can just do to try stuff out. Um, But I think that that like dream map is a really good starting place for what would I even try? And then I think the third piece is to find a person who can be a champion for your dreams or who can at least like help you articulate these things who can maybe look at that map and be like, well, hey, I'm really like seeing this and noticing this. Like, why don't you try this and help with that ideation, that enthusiasm um, to help you like get unstuck. And so I think like that would be just such a pragmatic thing. I think every like community group could sit down and make a dream map and talk about it with each other um, and say like, okay, what what's the next right thing? What is the next like one thing I can do to see if God is calling me? Um, into something different. And then you get to start the discernment process of, is this a career? Is this a hobby? Is this a side hustle? Is this a service that I do for the world of the church? But it just like gives you a starting place. So does that kind of get at the question? Mm -hmm. Yes. Yeah. I love that. And I think being able to like put it all on paper is so powerful too, to see it because it can be so hard to just think about like, what do I like? And, you know, what are my passions? What are my hobbies? But 
doing that exercise of kind of segmenting all those different areas and then being able to step back and say, how do these all connect is easier than trying to make those connections just in your head, you know? Totally. Yeah. Yeah. Um, And then, so I guess kind of what is your perspective on, um, you mentioned like being able to discern like, oh, should this be a career? Should this be just a hobby or a side hustle? And I think it can be so hard, especially in our culture today. It's like any hobby you could theoretically like turn into a job or a passion or a business or, and so sometimes it feels like there can be that pressure of, you know, I'm doing this, like, should this be my job? Like, should this be my passion or should this just be a hobby of of something that I just enjoy to do? So I guess what, yeah, what's your, I'm curious to hear your perspective on that. That's such a good question. Let me think for a second. I, I'm thinking about like ways, means, and ends and just like thinking, okay, so let's say there's like a thing that I want to do. There's when it comes to discernment, like so much of life is just like pragmatically, where am I existing right now? And so I think a good starting place is like, okay, who do I have responsibilities to in my life right now that like you know, if you're a parent with several children, you're not going to walk home and be like, I've decided to quit my full-time job and pursue knitting, you know? Um, and so there's like, obviously like starting with the like very pragmatic, like the, these are the things that I need to be faithful to. Like what, what is my like big V vocation and everything flowing from that? I think it's hard whenever it's someone like me and like you are like, we're single, we're in our twenties and thirties. Like we have lots of time and like relatively low risk to try things. Um, and I don't know, I, I think that it is, it's hard to know for sure. Like when, when do you take something to the next level? I, I think that I just go back to kind of what I was saying earlier about this job, um, of like what, what is the fruit of it? Um, and, and really, really paying attention to that, like what scripture says about like, you can know a tree by its fruit. And so I think as you like pursue things and, uh, like build out something that could be a business or, um, you know, invest deeply at a local nonprofit that maybe you love and you're like, okay, does this mean that this should be a job or, you know, is this just like meant to be this thing? Um, I think like really paying attention to the fruit it produces in your own life, in your own heart, in the hearts of the people around you. Um, And and I think always asking like uh, a a really basic discernment principle I was taught was just like, does it result in an increase of faith, hope, and love? And so let's say you're like, well, I'm working in this corporate job and it doesn't like seem like it is maybe the most like purposeful from an eternity perspective? Do I need to quit and like go work for church? Well, if the idea of like quitting your job and going and working for the church creates like a deep sense of anxiousness in you and overwhelmedness, it's probably not what God is calling you to do. Not that he's never going to like call us to something that is scary, but um, I think like paying attention to as you pursue things, like is there an increase in faith, hope, and love? Um, and helping, like really bringing in community to help you think about that. 
Cool. So um, at this point, we'd love to maybe transition more into, you know, the topic of living in community. You kind of touched on this a little bit at the beginning of the episode of, you know, living in a smaller college town and, you know, living in the same area of the people that you work with, which is students, you know, and like running into students and seeing them out and about. And um, I guess to start out, like, what does living in community mean to you? And kind of how have you been able to see those fruits, you know, living near and close by to the people that you work with on a daily basis? Yeah, this is such a fun question for me. Um, and I, I've like just gotten really, really lucky um, with with my community. And, and it's funny because I tell my college students this and they get so stressed about it. But I tell them that like so many of the people who are like the day-to-day uh, go-to humans in my life, I didn't meet until after college. Like I had no idea who they were. Um, and, and so it's just really cool. And I guess I would say like really hopeful because I think sometimes it can feel like my, I made my best friends in college and I'll never have friends like that again. And it's true. Like those friendships are really unique and really special and you'll never have friends just like that again, but you will have like just as deep, rich and meaningful relationships as before. So, um, my community specifically, like there's so many things I could say. I, one thing that's kind of cool is that like my work friends are also my church friends are also like the people that I just do stuff for fun with. Um, I think that that's one thing that's good about a small town is there's not much optionality. Like these are characters. Yeah. <laughs> big city. You're like, okay, well yeah. I have my work friends. And then I like have people at church and I have like the people I play pickleball with. And I'm like, we don't have enough cast members here. Right? <laughs> <laughs> Everybody has to do multiple. Um, yeah. But but it's really, really awesome. And it was funny because two weeks ago, I am the godmother for um, my really, really close friend, Bailey, who I met working at Mays six years ago. And myself and my other coworker here at Mays are her son's godparents. And uh, our other coworkers are her first son's godparents. Wow. And you tell that story and it's like, well, it's kind of weird. You know, you get <laughs> bargain for it from this workplace, but it, it really was so fun. Um, we, we would do, and, and just thinking about the town, like, like I said, we just love students. And so Bailey, before she got married, we were working at Mays together. We became roommates. Um, we would do these things called podcast Fridays where we would send out a podcast to like, just like a group of our students that we knew and be like, Hey, listen, to this podcast come over. We're going to like, you know, just have snacks and talk about it. And it would always, it was just like so fun to invite them into our lives. And, um, that that's taken so many forms, whether it be like running into my students at church, whether it be like leading Bible study for, um, students of mine or, um, yeah, just like with with my coworkers, I was driving the other day and I was telling my mom, I'm like, okay, I'm about to go to Bible study. And she's like, who's in your Bible study? And I list the names and she goes, that sounds like your friend group. And I'm like, yeah, that's, <laughs> that's about the case. Um, the, the other thing that's been really fun is my roommates. So I've lived with the same girls for the past five years, which is just kind of unheard of, I think, in this season of life. And we've just like, 
really been willing to integrate each other into our lives. And so like we have a Google doc where we all put a recipe in and like one person grocery shops for the house and we take turns cooking dinner and we do laundry together. And it is like kind of crazy. And part of that was like, we lived together during COVID. And so that's really when we became this little unit, but I've learned like so much about family life and close relationship, like living with these girls and like dealing with conflict and heartache and like great moments and hard moments. And I think that that can be really vulnerable to both ask and invite others into our lives at that level. Um, But I think just like having the courage to ask, being open to finding I remember it's so crazy to think about in hindsight, but I was living with Bailey. And once again, just like maybe in my ego or my pride, I was like, this is the best it's ever going to be. Like working with my, like living with my coworker, having students over and she was getting married and I was getting booted out. And I met Emery and Amelia and I was like, they're sweet girls. Like, I think that we will like, I'll be, we'll be friendly. It'll be good. But like, I don't know if we'll be best friends. And I just look back on that dumb, like 24 year old who thought that. And I'm like, these women like changed my life and mm-hmm. um, have been like my family in, in this season. And so I think just being open-minded to who people can be in your life, if you invite them and being willing to just like lay down the conventional norms, like go to your friend's house five days a week and like, don't, I, I don't know. I just remember like th- through the years, our group, uh, there've been things where people are like, well, you shared this with this person and not with this person. And I didn't know if I want to share it with the group. And eventually we just had to decide like privacy doesn't really work in community that well. Like, obviously there's like, there's an element yeah. of like, not being gossipy or toxic, but just like, no, if we're going to do this thing together, like we have to share our lives with one another and that comes at a cost. Um, and so I think that's one thing that I have just like integrity is one of my core values, but not so much in the, like I'm, I'm pro honesty and you know, all the things typically associated with integrity. But for me, the value of an integrity means an integrated life. And what that means is that like my work runs into like my relationships, runs into my family, runs into like all of it is integrated together into my faith life. Nothing is in its own bucket and I've really gotten to do that here with my coworkers, with my students, and with my, my walk with the Lord. And that's been really precious. Yeah, I, I love everything that you're saying. And honestly, how you're saying, like, my work life, like, blends into my friendships, like, blends into this and that. It's like, that's literally kind of the mission of our podcast, honestly, mm-hmm. I, in a lot of ways of, like, integrating. Because, like, if you're feeling – like, it's – if you're – have a close relationship with God, like there's just no way that that it cannot flow into the other aspects of your life. So like, I don't know, basically I feel like, yeah, like what you're describing is like when you're in union with God, it's like those, like you, you can't not look at your coworker as like someone who could be like more to you, you know, right. like you can't not pass someone on the street and or like have that interaction with someone at a grocery store and like not you know be like someone who's like 
you know, yeah, like I want to talk to you. Like I want to listen to you. Like just like integrating that kind of community. Like that's just someone that a person of faith does. And like, just when I think about like Jesus, I'm just like, that's exactly how he would live his life, like in modern day. So yeah, I love that so much. And it's, I feel like I've struggled with that a little bit in the city where I'm like, yes, it, yeah, I think there's another aspect of like, you know, maybe just like safety in the city that is like another conversation. But I feel like being in the city sometimes can be, can feel isolating in ways where it's like, yeah, like sometimes it's hard to be like a regular in the city because there's a thousand restaurants you can go to. Like you're not necessarily going to the same places like all the time. And so, yeah, like what, what advice might you have for someone who is in a city and is like, looking for that community and like looking for um, like a, a ways to make an impact too on not on people around them. Yeah. It's a great question. I mean, I think that there is such power in routine and, um, and, and constancy, I guess I would say. So two things, I think one, just like deciding, like picking people that you're like, I'm going after this person to be, I mean, in like a reasonable non-boundary crossing way, but, but like being like, I'm going to just like pursue this relationship. And like, this is a person that I'm going to like go to coffee and go on walks and really like try to invite in as much as possible. Um, I think proximity is huge. Like that, that's one thing that I didn't really expect. Like I was listening to y'all's first podcast where y'all live in the same apartment building. I'm like, that is that's like a huge thing that shouldn't be underestimated in terms of just like ease of access. Um, Not that you can't like, you know, maintain long distance friendships. Of course you can. But whenever you're just looking for people in those moments when it's like a Wednesday night and you don't really just want to go home to an empty apartment, like having people nearby that you can just even go sit on their couch with, that is huge. So thinking about proximity, thinking about like, I'm just going to be willing to um, center on these few people and like keep going um, and, and keep like asking until it becomes a thing. And then also like being being willing to be the place where people go. So like one thing we did all the time during COVID was like biscuits and gravy and tennis on Saturday mornings. And like people would come over, we make biscuits and gravy, then we go play tennis, sometimes in reverse order. And one thing that's really hard for me is I, I made a packed for lack of a better word to stay in town two weekends out of the month at least because I think especially whenever you're like young and single you're like well this friend's getting married over here and this friend's having a baby shower and I want to go to my hometown for this event and now I'm going on a trip and you're surprised you don't have community whenever you're working 50 hours a week and gone every weekend And so I think that like that is another big thing is just like if you want to make a place feel like home, you have to be in that place. And that might be like a couple of hard weekends, Um, you know, and and I think that that it's really cool because I think the, the thing that has to overlay it all is prayer. I remember the year I was living with Bailey she was dating her now husband and he lived in Dallas, which is a three hour drive. So every weekend she was going there and there was a good chance they weren't going to stay in college station. That was actually the plan. And so I found myself in this place where I'm like, okay, my one best friend that I do everything with is probably leaving. And from a strategy standpoint, 
I'm in a poor position. And so I made myself like go to the young adults group and some young adults groups are great. I think that like, it just really depends and it can be like really hard and really forced or really awkward. But I went there and I found one girl that I was like, she is awesome. And she like came to my Bible study. And one year later, we weren't ever that close, but she came to Bible study. One year later, she texted me and was like, Hey, my roommate and I, like, we're looking for a third roommate. If you know of anybody who needs someone, let me know. And those are the girls who I've lived with for the past five years. And that was because I made myself go to that brewery with a bunch of strangers and, yeah. like, found this one girl. So I guess I would say, like, do the reps. Be the in the place you want to actually be known and connected. Um, and pursue when it's uncomfortable and pray. Like, pray for God to come through with the people. And I think that it will. That's so relatable. Like, especially, I mean, I feel like at this, at this time in my life, like friends are starting to get engaged and like get married. And it's like you live in this bubble of thinking that, you know, life isn't going to change. Like life is so good right now. Like love living with my best friends and and all these things. And so that next stage of life can be so scary of like, you feel like you're going to miss out and like things aren't going to be as good. But I love that message of hope that you were kind of talking about earlier of how like there's still so many people that we haven't met yet in our lives that could be our best friends or, you know, there's just so much that we don't know. And that's so scary, but also so exciting and hopeful at the same time. So I remember there's a sermon I heard once and it was just this one line that was like so consoling to me, but it was just like, isn't it exciting to see what God's going to do? And that just became something that I prayed with for like a whole year. Just like, isn't it exciting to see what God's going to do? And I think that if somebody's like feeling stuck work, stuck community, like to start like praying with that um, in that area of their life. Wow. That is probably, I don't think we're going to end any, any way better than that. <laughs> that is beautiful. I mean, I just want to like think about that for a very long time, isn't it? Um yeah, I mean, that's just beautiful. I, I think that that kind of encapsulates everything that we were talking about of just dreaming big and um, whether that's in your work life or whether that might be in your community and like in your home life, like what what is God going to do in those areas? So thank you so much. This was a beautiful episode. I honestly have some homework now. I mm-hmm. think I can't wait to make my own my own mind map. So I'm going to get on that when I get home. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. That's great. Yeah. It's like my off brand designing your life kind of thing, (laughs) which I know y'all are fans of. Yeah. That's an amazing book. Design your life. If anyone hasn't read it, but um, thank you so much, Claire. We enjoyed this so much and uh, I'm sure that, you know, we'll be in touch soon because we, have we'll we'll let you know how our mind maps go. Yeah, yes. we'll have the we'll have you review them and give us feedback. <laughs> I would love to. I would love to. And I like have a lot of these tools written um, in like different formats. And so if anybody ever wants any of the things that I mentioned, I'm like love sharing resources. So happy to do that. Amazing. Well, awesome. perfect. Thank you so much, and thank you all for listening. And we'll see you next week. Thanks for listening to the Corporate Catholic Podcast. 
Give us a rating and follow us on social media at Corporate Catholic Pod. 